This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to episode number 51 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. My name is John, and what is this, five baker's dozens now? Not quite. Okay. Not quite. Almost there. One more week. One more week. I think I can muddle through one more week. Four baker's dozens? Yeah, it'd be four baker's dozens in one more week. All right, that's too many numbers to be throwing at me this early in the morning. Sorry, it is Monday morning. It is quarter of, I mean, it's almost 9 a.m. Yeah. You know, I've been up since yesterday. <laughs> I so, have not. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's working nights. Yep. So, this week, a bunch of shows weren't on. Yeah. Yeah, this was a couple light of shows. Week. Yes, a couple of shows were really shitty. <laughs> I'm being, and, uh, that's being generous. But, yeah, but I watched, I watched, I managed to actually, I watched several movies this week, actually. See, I didn't. I, I watched some shows and I watched two movies. I'll be honest, most of my week was spent playing Horizon Zero Dawn. Well, there you go. It, which was, you know, in essence, a 50-hour movie. So, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> That's All my right. excuse. There we go. Well, um. I, I can't clear my throat. Sorry. Hold on. Do you need me to play that song, you know, Let Me Clear My Throat? No, I'm good now. That I could just, be our new theme song for the starting at episode 53. Yeah. I don't even know what let, let Me Clear My Throat is. Oh, come on. I've never heard that song. Oh, Mike. You, after, this, after this podcast, you're going to need to go look it up. And you're going to be like, oh, I've heard this song before because, you know, I'm a human being and I've been alive for the past decade or two or three. Let me clear my throat? Yeah. Who, who sings this this song? Oh, God, what is his name? He's a DJ. It, it's – you'll know it. It's it's played at sporting events and such. You'll know it. Trust me. But anyway, I, I don't think we could get the licensing rights for it. I don't think that we, we have the budget. You know, I could talk to the accountant for the podcast. I don't think – I don't think anyone would listen to this show that's going to be like, oh, copyright infringement. Oh, I don't know. You never know where those little uh, lurkers are out in the weeds, you know, where they're going to be like, we could sue them easily for this. Wahahaha. Because that's the thing is lawsuits, suing, etc. is less about justification of stuff, you know, less about saying, hey, you're using my intellectual property. Oh, my God. That's um, what that song is? Yeah. See, I knew you'd heard it. Jesus. Um, yeah, I heard that. I didn't know that's what it was called. That's... <sighs> I, I, totally... I just... I don't go to the club, so... Uh, but you've watched sporting events. You've yeah. You've watched a lot of sporting events. I'll bet you it's even been at one of your wrestling matches at some point. No. Yeah. No. 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 And no. Yeah. 
Uh, I'll bet it has. I'll bet you there's been some wrestling event no. where they've had that playing yes. just to get people up and moving and cheering. Because you know what? When that song starts playing, people can't help but get up and cheer and clap and sing right along. Trust me. It's not a, It's not as much of a club song as it is a inspirational, motivational, get them on their face. It's kind of like saying, um, we will rock you as a club song. It's not a club song. Uh, okay, That's first of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, please, please do not try to compare. Let me clear my throat to the fantabulous we will rock you. Uh, I will compare them because they are no, both the same genre no. of getting people pumped blasphemous. up and moving their feet. That's blasphemous. See, you're saying that now, but you're, you're, you're incorrect. I'm One sorry. song inspires people to twerk. The other inspires people to stomp their feet and slam their hands against heavy objects to make no, loud noises. Dude, let me clear my throat was out before twerking was a thing. Nobody but That's what they were doing. Song. That's what they were doing. Then you you picked the wrong example of that then. I'm sorry. That is not. That is a, a fight song, basically. Oh but anyway, you said that is no you said fight firstly, song. You said first. No, no. Yes, no. Yes. Moving on. Moving on. Let's talk about shows and stuff. All right. Some of us have to be back at work in eight hours, and some of us don't. You don't. Plus, that was kind of a play on the song because you know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So, uh, I'll start us off as I always do when it's on, and that's with The Walking Dead. This was kind of a messed up episode. It was another one of those episodes where we don't see anybody outside of one character, essentially. This was Eugene's episode. And Eugene has always been kind of a, a weird, polarizing kind of character, because when we first met him, he was the only scientist who was part of a team that had found a cure for the zombie virus. And they had to get him back to D.C. so that he could hook up with the other scientists and they could work on getting the cure, like, aerosolized or in the water or whatever. Okay, I'm sorry. Was that actually legit? No, because after about a season or so, when he finally broke down, he told them that it was all a lie and that he basically just bullshits really well. He's a coward and a survivor, and he will do anything to save his own teeth. So he had made up this entire story so that they would take him with him because otherwise Abraham and his group were just going to leave him. So on the fly, he just came up with this, you know, he knows big words. He knows some science. He does, but it's more like a, uh, maybe a minor MacGyver kind of science thing. And mm. he knows that kind of stuff enough to fool people, uh, rednecks and such into thinking that he is a doctor. You know, he'll tell them that he's got two PhDs. Um, he he does know some basic stuff, though, and the reason that this episode focused on him was because a few episodes back, Negan took him because he found out that Eugene had made a bullet for Rosita for her guns so that she could try to kill Negan, and he's like, oh, a man that can make bullets, that's, you know, that's necessary in this time period when nobody else can make bullets and we've got all these empty shell casings that we're just sitting around on. Honestly, bullet making isn't that tough, but anyway, regardless. 
he sees an asset in Eugene, so he takes him, and they give him a dorm room there with the Saviors, and they show him how, like, he can have food, and he can do this, and you kind of get an inside look at the Saviors' operation, and how people have numbers, you know, they don't have names, they have numbers, like, you're number 12, you're number 1, you're number 15, and it's a ranking system, you know, so the... I believe it's the lower the number, the more, the higher you are on the food chain. Kind of like the stonecutters in The Simpsons, you know? So anyway, he quickly adapts to this, you know, uh, Negan asks him for his advice. They've got their walkers pinned to the walls to kind of deter people. They, they're like a sentry system, this maze of how to get into the compound. They've got chain link fence with walkers pinned to them and stuff. And he's like, you know, I got this problem where after a while the walkers just kind of disintegrate and he shows, you know, like one of them, the bottom just falls off into a pile of goo. And he's like, what do I do about that? Uh, what's his name there? Eugene just goes, well, I've already seen an answer to your problem and tells him, you know, melt down some of the scrap metal that you got lying around and coat their heads and coat their bodies with it. And it'll hold all their insides in place and make them harder to kill. And Negan's like, oh my God, that's so brilliant. He's like, you're a brilliant man. I'm going to send over a couple of my wives to have fun with you tonight. You can't have sex with them, but they can do other stuff. Wait, wait. He wants people to melt down metal and coat their body in it? Coat the walkers' bodies with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kind of like what the junk people did. All right. Um, That makes more sense. Yeah. So the wives come over and they watch him play Yar's Revenge on an old Atari 2600, which is funny as hell because I don't know if it was licensing rights or just the only thing that survived in the zombie apocalypse. Um but yeah, he's playing Yar's Revenge, and he's explaining the story behind Yar's Revenge, which was funny as hell to hear. And they want to see some sciencey stuff, so he shows them like a uh, baking soda volcano, essentially. Um, and then a couple of the wives come back to him, and they're like, "That one girl that was with us last night, she's depressed, and her sister was taken away, and she just wants to end it all. So could you find a way to like help her kill herself?" that doesn't involve guns so that, you know, nobody knows she did it. She could just drift off to sleep. And, of course, they're actually asking for pills to kill Negan. They want to slip it into his food or drink or whatever so that he'll die. And Eugene makes up the pills and then watches a uh, another one of their iron branding ceremonies where they get the iron really hot and they go to brand the doctor because he supposedly helped one of the girls escape. And Negan's like, you know, just admit that you did it. Just admit that you did it. He didn't actually do it, but he doesn't want to have a flaming hot iron stuck on his face. So he admits he did it. So Negan says, that's all I needed. And then throws him in the incinerator and holds him in there while he cooks. It's kind of like that, uh, donut scene. And, uh, uh, God, what was that one that we just watched? The gypsy one. Uh, crap, the one on Hulu. Yeah, I want to say Second Sight, but it wasn't that. No, it wasn't that. I can't think of it. But this, this is the one with Jeffrey Donovan on Hulu. Yes, yeah. And it, so it's kind of like that where he's holding the guy in, in the giant roaster kiln and he's like screaming and kicking his legs. But of course it's AMC, so they got to tone it down a little bit. You know, they got all that flack for the head beatings earlier in the season. So this is Eugene that's being killed, right? No, no, no. Like, this, I is, didn't miss- this is the doctor. The doctor. Okay, they, I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, it was... 
it was a little side plot where the the guy who had the really really redonkulously hot wife that Negan took, and he's been like Daryl's foil all this time. He finds out that his wife escaped, so he goes out to find her, and she left a note, and it's like you'll never see me again. So he says that you know, oh, I killed her, but it was the doctor that helped her escape because he doesn't like the doctor. The doctor's a dick. So basically, gets the doctor thrown in the oven because now Negan's like, hey, I got another doctor in this Eugene guy. And Eugene completely goes native. That's the thing, is he's a coward, and he'll save his own skin. So he completely goes native. Like, he rips on one of the lower-numbered people. He's like, I outrank you. I will take what I want. It's startling. The guy's kind of basically a sociopath, you know. Yeah. But uh, he has the potential to be nice, but in the... In, in the long run, he is a sociopath who will do anything to save his own skin. And yep. that includes selling out friends or going native. And by the end of it, he does. He's like, I'm Negan. <laughs> Negan comes up to him and he's like, I've got a question for you. And take some time to think about it. Before he can even finish, he's like, I'm Negan. I'm so totally 100% Negan. You don't even know how Negan I am. I was always Negan. I just hadn't met you yet. But I know that I am Negan completely 110%. He's like, all right then. Welcome to the family. So that was the, the whole episode kind of focused. It went back in time a little bit to, you know, when Daryl escaped, et cetera. But we got to yeah. see this side of it. And it makes you wonder if, you know, Eugene was doing this just to save his own life or would- Well, that's the thing is, like, I honestly felt when I was watching the whole time that he was just full of shit. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Completely. That he had somehow convinced uh, others that he knew more than he did. And yep. they somehow believed him. Yep. It, he even pulls up that story when he's in there talking to the wives. You know, they're like, so you're smart. And he's like, you know, I've got two PhDs. I was part of the team that was working on getting the uh, cure for this. And I'm one of the only people left in the end. It's the same story that he made up with Abraham and his group to get them to save him. So he's basically looking around. And he's like, oh, none of these people know I was full of shit. So I'm just going to revert right back to that identity. It's it's like they want to believe him so bad because it gives them some sort of hope. Yes. And so they just go along with it. Yep. I think that's exactly it. And he is capitalizing on that. You know, usually you just look at him. You know, he's the guy that cries. He's the guy that can't shoot a person. And he's, he's just the wimpy little kid, essentially. But it, he's got this darker side to him where he does all of that. You don't know if he does all that because it really is who he is or because it works and it gets people to leave him alone and not expect a lot out of him. He could just be an evil genius, which I think there's some credit to that. Hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. And I'm not talking about this week's, of course, because I'll do that next week. Well, we watched a show. We've only watched one episode, The Wife and I, and there's another, there's now two more episodes for us to watch. Uh, it's on HBO called Big Little Lies. I've thought about that. How is it? Well, I actually really liked it. I mean, the first episode incident, it, it, the first episode basically is an introduction to the characters. There's, okay. there's basically, it's, it's the parent, there's five kids that are all starting this new, uh, New Year school, and they're all in first grade, and it's this um, uh, pretentious, you know, yuppie school, basically in California. Gotcha. 
You know what I mean? Like it's it's very important to the parents that their kids are there because they can talk about how great their kids are. So it's like a Montessori school, only worse. Yeah, exactly. So anyhow, they're for first graders, by the way. So we meet the characters. You know, there's the uh, there's the the busybody who's knows he wants to know everyone's business. There's the new person who's the outsider, uh, but is accepted by some in the group. There's the pretentious uppity bitch. There's the snob, etc., etc. So you know, stereotypical type people, you know. And then there's the gossip mongers on the outside witnessing everything. And essentially what it is in the first episode, we le- we learn that someone has been killed. We don't know who. It happened at a school fundraiser. And then the majority is now intercut with the police interviewing people that are not the main characters. They're interviewing all secondary characters or bystanders or whatever. And that's intercut with the first day of school. With us in meeting the characters for the first time, meeting Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it's actually it was it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I mean, like I'm not gonna give it a hard sell or anything, but I did enjoy the first episode. They did a great job establishing the characters and and setting everything up so far. So I'm interested to see where it goes. I mean, it's only gonna be eight episodes, so it's not like it's gonna last that long. And I'm pretty sure this is not a season one type scenario. I think this is a a um, like a mini series event. Yes, uh, that's the impression that yeah. I got as well. And I think this is a David Lynch thing, oh, or it? David E. Kelly. Sorry, David E. Okay. Kelly. It's a David E. Kelly thing. Gotcha. So, but anyhow, um, yeah. So I enjoyed it. We're gonna we're gonna watch more. Okay. I'll look. Forward I started. To uh, yeah. I started another new show, actually, by happenstance uh, on Netflix. It's a Sundance TV original. It aired in March 2016. The second season is about to come up. It's called Happen Leonard. Okay. And it stars the guy that played uh, James Pufree or Purfray or something like that. He played the main killer on The Following. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyways, um, it stars him and another fella, and he plays Hap. Hap is a white guy. Leonard's a black guy who's gay, takes place in 1980s Texas, and essentially it's a reluctant group of people gathered together by Hap's ex-wife, Trudy, who's played by Christina Hendricks. And basically they're, they're in 1968, there was a car – there was a bank robbery, and the getaway car managed to elude the police, but the people uh, crashed into a river. And no one's found the car or seen it since. Okay. And they're essentially trying to find the car because it's got a few hundred thousand dollars in it. So it's based on a book. I watched the first two episodes. I enjoyed it. I'm going to finish it up at some point. Um, second season starts March 17th. So okay, yeah. So so the the search for this car has enough meat behind it that it's going at least two seasons. Well, see, I don't know if like the second. Well, see, it's it's, it's a book. It's a book series. So I don't know if the first. I think the first season is one book. The second season is another book. So this will be a complete story, and then the next season will be the new story of them, a new adventure they went on, basically. And, like, the group of people they gather together, it's they're reluctantly brought together. One is the guy that Trudy's currently dating, and he's one of those uh, free love, free sex, yuppie, pot-smoking douches. And then there's – yeah. There's another guy that's been pretty hideously disfigured from a fire, and there's some uh, bad guys looking for him. 
And then there's another guy that's just a heavy set guy who falls in a big mud puddle when they pull him out. His pants have come off. Um, so there's some comedy elements to it. Okay. And there's some serious elements to it. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's just a good story. It's good writing. So it's a good story, good dialogue. Um, you know, you easily hate and like different characters and, uh, kind of the big twist, which I didn't really want to ruin it, but I'll, I'm going to go ahead and say it in the first episode is they find the bridge, uh, where the vehicle went in because like the guy who, um, one of the robbers went to jail and his room cellmate was this other guy. And he told him about how he, you know, crashed the car into this river by this old metal bridge that was out of service and on and on and on. And, um, but no one knew where it was and they, you know, couldn't find it. And then the guy got killed in jail. So he never came out to look for it. Anyhow, um, so Hap, they find the bridge and then the riverbed's dry and the car's gone. Gas. So, so then there's a big story of how there was a flood in like the late seventies, early eighties, and it redirected the flow of the river and the carney is, must be over there now. Okay. And so they're trying to find it, and I don't know. Like I said, the writing's good. The story's pretty decent. I'm enjoying it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can talk about another new show if you want. Sure. Why not? I watched the first episode of Taken. Okay. I was sitting at home. I was... Basically like, boop, boop, doo, I'm kind of bored. Hey, what's this? Oh, the first episode of Taken's on Hulu. Well, let's let's give it a watch, I guess. I, I assume I, you also didn't have a hammer to smash your thumb and fingers repeatedly, so you were like, well, I might as well do this. Well, <laughs> well, it was more along the lines of like it was kind of on the background while I was messing around on the uh, interweb doing a blog post for my wrestling blog. Um, but I must say I was very surprised at how much I liked it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's billed as a prequel, uh, so I figured it would take place like in the 80s or something, or 90s, mm-hmm. but it actually takes place in current times. Like, they make a reference point to 2015 in it, when he was in some sort of uh, desert storm or something. But it is a prequel. You know, he does. He hasn't met uh, uh, Letty yet. He doesn't, not, not Letty. He hasn't met, uh, yeah, her. And he doesn't have a kid yet or anything like that. So, I mean, there's still a lot to build on. And essentially uh, what the first episode is, is his uh, he's on a train. He recognizes some people that are bad guys like you see in the trailer. Uh, and his sister's on the train and she gets killed. Which is everything that I saw in the trailer. Exactly. Except uh, it was a hit job. Okay. And like the NSA or CIA or FBI or whatever Something it is. that group. Some alphabet group is looking for the guy that killed her because essentially it was a revenge hit for something that Mills had done to some big drug lord, and they've been trying to catch this guy. So they're basically going to allow Mills to be used as bait to uh, lure him out. I see. Yeah. And um, again, I actually was surprised how much I liked it. Hmm. Now, so, wh- what about it was it that you liked? Um. Oh, the story was actually decent. The writing was good. Um, the action was good. Um, he wasn't a uh, unstoppable killing machine. He had his faults. He had a, he was emotionally driven because of his sister. They went really, really dark at one point with it, 
And, um, you know, it was, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it quite well. Hmm. Enough yeah. that you're going to start watching it regularly, you think? Uh, enough that I'm definitely going to take in the second episode. Okay. You know, and just see where it goes from there. Okay. But I was genuinely surprised how much I liked it. Hmm. Interesting. I, I'm surprised at that. Well, I'm mean, just as surprised as how much I like the second Blair Witch movie, and just as surprised how much I like uh, Lethal Weapon, the series. Gotcha. So, you know, I figured, what the hell? Might as well. It's I had it was you know I didn't want to start a movie, and but I got sucked right in. I I have a bit of a problem though. If it's a prequel and it takes place now, no, I and know, then me too. in about what'll it be? Twenty years or so, twenty five years or so, yeah. he's gonna have a daughter who gets taken um, while talking on a flip phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that's I figured like I said I figured it would take place like that, eighty something but yeah if they're doing a prequel and they're like we're going and they're literally billing it as that they're like we're going to tell you the backstory behind this awesome guy that you all know what happens later on in three movies yeah. two of which were complete and utter garbage um we're we're going to show you the backstory of this guy it starts today so why weren't the other movies in the future. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. Like I said, I thought for sure it would take place in an earlier time frame, and it didn't. But yeah. Huh. Oh well. They, it's probably easier for them to do stuff set in modern times than try to get you know set designs, well, and technology, uh, and clothing. See, that's and exactly what Rude and I were talking about last night. If the show takes off and it's good, where it's you know an NBC type show, or they you, you know mean they're if not it's gonna, taken. <laughs> the, they're not going to mess around with like dealing with the retro sets and clothes and all this stuff all the time. Right. You know, timeless is one thing where each week is a different time period, different. You know, they're literally time thing. traveling. Exactly. So, but yeah, no, like I get it's probably easier, lazier just to set it to now, right? Nowadays, but gotcha. Uh, yeah. Because definitely the technology they were using it would not have worked if it took place in the late nineties. <laughs> <or late 80s. laughs> Anyhow, so uh, Monday night, the only thing regular that I watched that was on was Supergirl. Still not watching APB, huh? No, I haven't. I just I didn't I didn't start. I saw it next to Taken, and I was like, I'm still going to try Taken. Wow. Even yeah. after I've said how good APB was, how I wanted to talk to you about it, how I yeah. wanted to have a good, decent discussion with somebody else who's watched it, and you're like, eh, screw John, I'm going to go watch Taken. No, that's not at all what happened. It was just more along the lines of like, I, 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 I'm going to watch Taken, that's all. I see. Well, if there's not as much on again, I'll try it. to watch it. I'll try to watch it. Anyway, so Supergirl. Um. Yeah. So, um, I'm almost annoyed with this episode. <laughs> yep. Straight away because of they rescued Jeremiah Danvers at the beginning from a Cadmus convoy. Now, now let's talk about the Cadmus <sighs> convoy. Yeah. Who transports a prisoner in the back of an eighteen wheeler? Chained Loosely up like chained that. up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was garbage. That was complete garbage. Like, even an actual comic book would look at that and go, no, dude, nobody's going to yeah. buy that. 
Well, but I hated how they immediately went with the, oh, it's Jeremiah. He's been with Cadmus for years. We just easily rescued him. Let's give him a pass and let him have full access. <laughs> full access. Because he's an agent and everything's fine. That's right. And mon like, hold on a second. <laughs> the one voice of reason is the party and, boy. Yeah, hold on a second. This seems fishy. And they're all like, how dare you? You're just an asshole. He's our daddy. Yeah. And then, uh, and then when Kara's like, okay, maybe this is fishy, you know, and then her sister's all like, you're no sister of mine. She disowns her. She's like, this one little argument is going to cause a rift between us that will never be repaired. I was just like, wow. Yeah. Like, must have gotten the staff of Arrow to write this episode. <laughs> I think so. I think they probably borrowed a couple of guys. They're like, uh, we got some guys out with a flu. Um, they walked across the hall. Hey, uh, Arrow guys, look, we wouldn't do this normally, but can you come over here and help us out? Yeah, can you come over here and write a shitty, um, a shitty, uh, episode for us too? Hey, 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 hey. It was after after the Mixix Pitalik episode, which was so fun and and exuberant, minus the whole Valentine's Day bullshit. It was really dumb to watch this episode. Mm-hmm. It, and it wasn't like you said. I was annoyed with it. It wasn't like a terrible episode, but there were a lot of things there. Like nobody thought to check his arm. I know, right? Oh, my hand is all damaged. I'm just going to hold it to my side. And like, oh, you report to sick bay and start going back to work. Yeah. It was just – and then he's like, oh, well, I mean, I broke into the top secret files because I wanted to read about your cases so I could get closer to you. Yeah. So, you know, when my password didn't work, I figured, screw it. I'll just hack my way in. That's right. Oh, well, that seems like a reasonable response. See, he had a. Why would you question him, sister? That's right. He had an explanation. Yeah. Who cares how just, paper Like, no one's like, red flag. Yeah. You hacked into the friggin' mainframe. Like, it would have been like him saying, you know, I wanted to get access to the mainframe, but there was a guy there with a gun. And since he didn't recognize me, I decided I should just kill him because I really wanted to get in there. Well, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Give me oh, a okay, hug, Dad. Yeah. All is forgiven and explained. Yeah. It, it was uh, 80s. This was like 80s writing for a TV show. You know, we have to blindly trust the father figure that has been missing for years and assume that he has all of our best interests at heart. Yep. No. Yeah, it was stupid. Yeah. Let's just say it was stupid. Yeah. And it's being and continued next basically, week. Basically, <laughs> like, ultimately, the two big reveals that came out of it is that uh, – you know, Monel is not what he seems, and Jeremiah is like, I know who you are, and I doubt Kara would like that. And he was like, Oh shit. Yeah, basically and, he's and the the prince of Daxum. We all have figured exactly. that out by now. It's been figured out by us at least. And then the other one was, you know, Cadmus has a plan to kidnap and basically kill or jettison whatever all the aliens and clearly he did this to protect Kara or keep Kara off the list. Yeah. And because Cadmus probably threatened to kill Alex. Right, probably, or something stupid. If it turns out, if they pull some kind of reverse bullshit, and it turns out that all this time Alex was actually an alien too, but we didn't want to tell her, and so that's why he was protecting her, was because her name would be on the list, and blah, blah, blah. 
I will probably lose a lot of respect for the show. Yep. Because that's ridiculous. It really is, yeah. Um, no Gotham, no Lucifer, no Shield, no This Is Us. No. A- APB uh-huh. was good again this week. It's yep. a it's a decidedly darker show. They love showing the cars driving around. You know, they're souped up cars. It it kind of reminds me of the Lethal Weapon thing. You know, where they were car shopping for RJ, but you know, they just show the cars constantly. Um, yeah. But it was it was another pretty good episode. Um, I forgot to mention this to you. God, this is a deep dig. Back, way back, they had a show called Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Um, yeah. Okay, so... Awesome Kub- show, synchronized swatches. Yes, okay, so if I say uh, Larry Kubiaki... Yeah. Okay, and then he was Larry on Kubiak. ER. Yeah, he was on ER. Yeah. Okay, he is playing a role in this as well. He was introduced last episode, and he's got a bigger role this time. He's the he's one of the engineers that helps this the the guy who's now running the station, um, and they bill him. He was a professional wrestler, mm. like Blockhead, and he used to make his own costumes and stuff. But he has a degree in like uh, mechanical engineering or something like that. You know, quantum physics, something. And Does he look the same, just older? Much older, because all of his hair is completely white. But yeah, it, oh. he's got one of those faces that it's in... You, you can pick him out of a crowd a mile away. You're like, oh, look, it's Kubiaki. That's how I always refer to him. People who watched ER would probably refer to him by whatever name he had on ER. But, um, his name is Larry Kubiak. Yeah, Kubiak. Um, but yeah, so he... And he always had that brown paper lunch bag that said Larry's lunch, but one of the R's was missing, so there was a little carrot with the R. Yes, um, yes. But yeah, so he was a professional wrestler who's now a scientist. And uh he's he's got a cool role. Um they they engineer stuff together. Uh this time they were trying to track down some uh a guy who was an arms dealer and so they had to uh put a wire on one of their officers, but of course, you know, RF detectors detect it. So what if instead we had it just send out bursts in seven minute increments? So, you know, every seven minutes it'll send out whatever footage it's captured, but in the meantime it's not transmitting so it won't be picked up by an RF broadcaster. So, you know, when things inevitably go south, they've got to catch up by, you know, watching okay, this is what happened seven minutes ago. We gotta to try to figure out where this guy is. And uh yeah, it was it was not bad. It's still not like a phenomenal show that I'm going to sit here and be like, you have to be watching the show, but it is enjoyable. I'm, I'm having fun with it. It's very washed out though, kind of like a Gotham or the way Robocop was. Um, you know, the colors are all very muted, very, uh, I think they call it like a blue wash or something. It basically makes it all seem darker and more noir, but yep, I like it. I'll keep watching it for now. Cool. Um, So, Flash this week. All right. So, real quick. I was very excited about the Grodd episodes, and I feel like I'm very disappointed (laughs) with what we got. Exactly. You know, I mean, okay, so Gypsy shows at the beginning. No, no, no. no, Hold on. First, I want to say this, just to kind of put this out there. CW... I get that there are different things going on in the world, and you have to change episodes around. Get your shit together, though. When you've got four shows that are all part of the same universe, 
try to keep the holidays aligned. Because, you know, last week on Supergirl, we had the Valentine's episode. Then this week, the second part of the Grodd series is the Valentine's episode on Flash. Yeah. And I believe last week we had Cupid show up. I don't know if that was supposed to be for Valentine's Day or or if it was just, you know, because they needed some weird, obscure villains. But, you know, trying to keep the stuff together so that we're not jumping around like this, so that at, at the beginning of March we're not having a Valentine's episode. Yeah, the, what was the other one? Uh, Legends, they just had their Christmas episode, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Holidays matter, people. Anyway, continue. Gypsy show. Okay. So Gypsy shows up at the beginning, and they figure out pretty quickly and subdue her pretty quickly as to why she's there. Because, you know, we have this woman who can teleport us across dimensional barriers to wherever we want. We've got an entire army of highly trained, highly intelligent gorillas. Let's yeah. send her our one method of transportation into yep. the heart of the enemy camp and let Which her will then tip of off of that we're here to them. And then we're going to wait a couple of days and just stand around before we attack. And no one's going to notice us for the week. We're just waiting to before we launch this attack, which right. incidentally is at night in the heart of the city when it's completely, practically completely empty. <laughs> It's like Augusta, Maine, the capital of Maine, is a little city. It's tiny compared to some of these cities. But you know what? If I went out there at midnight, there's still cars around. There's still people moving around. I I can't imagine that Central City. Yeah. The word Central's right there in the title. Seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. Yeah. But we've seen this before, you know, battles with Snart and Heatwave where there was nobody on the streets. You're like, where is everybody? Where are the onlookers? Where's the traffic? So the big solution to this, after the drama of the teasing of a relationship between Cisco and Gypsy, and then the drama of Jesse and Wally, and the drama of Barry and Iris, uh, essentially oh, what they oh, don't do is... the best one. But the two Wellses and they're they're the two Wells and how one keeps calling the other one an idiot and hates yep. him and on and on and on. Yes, yes. Um, but ultimately, for this episode, uh, they convince Gypsy to go get uh, Solivar, yeah. and he shows up, and then easily defeats Grodd. Right. Which and to then, their credit, yeah. is why Grodd wanted Flash to fight him because he knew Solivar would trounce him thoroughly. Yeah. And that's what happened. And then uh, Barry convinces Solovar not to not to kill Grodd, and they send them all back to Earth Two. And then Grodd gets picked up by Argus, and he'll be taken care of by Argus from now on. Um, yeah, so that's, no apology that's, to Earth Two for like, sorry, we dumped our trash on you. Yeah, right. Um, and essentially, like that's the the meat and potatoes of the Grodd, and it was shitty. It was. It really was. Uh, Insufficient. My my sister was talking to me about it, and she had very similar thoughts. You know, this is ridiculous. It was a two-part episode. We barely got to see him. What a waste of Keith David's acting talent, you know, to give him basically two lines between the two episodes. Um, and I urged her, as I'll urge you, to go do some research on Grodd and 
realized that in the comics he was actually a formidable foil for the Flash. You yep. know, he was actually oh, I know he was. a fully developed villain, and he had powers beyond what he does now. Like, he would transfer his consciousness into human bodies and walk around in them, not just mind control, but actually exist within their bodies. Uh, he Honestly, that- that's why I was so excited about Broad yeah, to begin with. I know. And then huge disappointment. Yeah, because the writers seem to be, like, pushing aside his mental powers so much. Like, they're giving him the ability to talk through other people. I get it. That was one of the mainstays. That's fine. But the fact that they're, like, pushing all that aside in favor of, well, he's a big gorilla. He's really strong. That was only part of it. You know? He's slow. His his abilities were what made him so formidable, and he was a tactician, and he was a strategist. You know, he planned out elaborate traps and such. He didn't just like put a bunch of monkeys in gladiator outfits and say, "Line up in rows and let's go kick some booty." <laughs> like this was a Peter Griffin level invasion plan. My God, it really was. Yeah, it was garbage. Yeah, it really was. They really it was garbage. They promised us a two part crossover event with Gorilla City. We got to see like two seconds of Gorilla City, which was the cells, and all the writing was stilted and hacked and crap. Honestly, yeah, it was kind of a disappointment. Both episodes. Yep. Um, backstory in this episode: uh, Wally wants Jesse to stay on Earth. One, she agrees. She mentions him getting a place together. He has a hesitation. Yeah. They they tell Harry about it, and he's like, okay. And then later lies to Wally saying he's dying, and I thought, oh, they dragged this out. <laughs> but no, she gets right to the root of that, and, and they clean that up. And then, of course, the big cliffhanger ending is he's going out to get his woman some food because she has spoken, and he runs into Savitar. Yep. Yeah, and then so, next oh, I'm sorry. is going to be Savitar invading his dreams or something. Yeah, I'm sorry. Barry proposes to Iris. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's been so worried point. about changing what the future is that he hasn't uh, focused on what he has now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that the whole Wally and Jesse thing, you know, he's like, but we love each other. I'm like, wait a minute. You two have existed in alternate realities. You had that little flirtation thing back in the day, but, you know – there's no pen pal thing. We don't know that you two have been talking to each other. And now he's like, you should come and live here. And she's like, okay, let's get a place. Here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pump the brakes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. whoa. Hold on a second. I, I was just Jamie. talking about. I don't want to. <laughs> exactly. He he yeah. basically wanted a convenient booty call. And she's yeah. like, oh, well, if I'm going to move here to be with you, you're asking I'm me to move, move here to be with you. But she's not moving from like there or a couple your mic's cutting out. No. Hold on. How's that? That's better, yeah. Okay. You said she's Again. not moving, and then it just stopped. Oh, yeah. It's not like she's moving from one town to another. Right. Or once to another. You know, she's she's crossing the multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. She is leaving behind her Earth, her reality, for this reality because of a guy. Like, she's not like, this place needs me. They've already got two speedsters and a handful of other heroes. So it, it's not like this is her destiny or anything. It's for a guy. And he's like, please stay here with me. And she's like, okay, then let's be together. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, maybe we could slow down on that. It was, it was unbelievable at best. 
Please stand by. We are experiencing technical difficulties, and we will return you to your regularly scheduled recording in a moment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 51.1, because we had some recording issues yesterday with my internet, Skype, our recording software. So we got about half the show in yesterday. It's now Tuesday. We're going to finish the show off. That's right. So you'll be hearing one file, but... It may sound a little different. We're, we're right, in right. different spirits right now. I am a little tired after a really long shift, so that's normal. Uh, <laughs> I'm a little frustrated after having re- put all that effort into recording and then not being able to, you know, see the yeah. fruit of our labors. Well, ultimately, this would be better. I had such bad internet issues yesterday, I had to switch to my phone, and my my earbuds with my phone headset's not nearly as good as my laptop, so... That's definitely correct. Audio quality-wise, it'll be a little better today, but uh, I think the last thing we had managed was Flash. I I, I can't remember how we ended it, so we're just going to move on to Arrow, and uh, basically with Arrow, I'm just going to say that's not how impeachment works. (laughs) <laughs> at all. Not even close. Nope. Um, you know, I just didn't like Arrow this week. I mean, the big reveal, Chase is Prometheus, the uh, the uh, DA, um, not a surprise really at all. Not um, a surprise, and they kind of, like, they haven't given us any hints of it through this season, but then this week they were suddenly like, now let's give all the hints, so let's have him acting oh, really yeah. shady when he picks up the piece of the and lens. That's, and That's one thing TV shows do all the time, is once the uh, the bad guy's revealed, all of a sudden that character who was the bad guy starts acting creepier and shadier and, and you know, more suspicious. Like, previously, if you go back and watch previous episodes, he, he doesn't at all, nope. and now it's blatantly obvious. So exactly. It's not like... You had suspicions all along because of his actions. You have suspicions all along because TV and movies are predictable. Yes. And you know it's going to be someone that's integrated themselves in his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's just the way it works. Um, Oliver throws the green arrow under the bus when it comes to the murder of that police officer, which is stupid. It really was. But we got to have and, Mr. Um, Terrific's balls. Yes, which they definitely took the time. Almost as bad as uh, Transformers Part 2 <laughs> uh, with all the balls jokes yeah. in reference to that. Yeah. Um, oh, his girlfriend, who is uh, un, un uh, blacklisted, if you will, or blackballed because uh, the hacker leaked out, oh, I was just fo- just joking. Yeah. Um, she's got her job back, and she knows Oliver's secret. So mm-hmm. just in time yeah. to be shadily contacted by said DA who is now acting shady and wants to pull her aside right. for an exclusive story. Yeah. And then finally Felicity joins Helix, the hacker group. And uh I wanted to say Willa because that's her real name, but uh Thea decides uh, Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna quit oh, yeah. something else in my life because it's too hard. You know, Steve Amell, like, he's a really nice guy on social media. His Facebook's great, although I don't see much of it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and everything else. Like, I mean, actually, I honestly became a fan of the show because Rude was like, oh, you got to check out Steve Amell's Facebook. He's great. He's great. He's great. And he was. And I grew to like him as a person. Mm-hmm. 
And then it translated over to liking the show. But now, like, his character on the show and his dark and broody talking all the time and everything's just, oh, drama, 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 and on and on and on. This is a DC superhero show. Why is there so much damn drama on it? Right. Uh, I'm tired of it. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of it. I know you have to have some drama. There's going to be relationship things. It's the CW. I get it. Yep. But I just oh, – Arrow is just growing old on me. Yes. And I'm going to say this despite criticism that I've received in the past. I'm still watching it because it's part of the block, you know? Yeah, the, same they here. promised a four-episode arc next season that's going to really incorporate all the characters, not be yeah. a throwaway. And, you know, I hope that someday they'll get back to it. But somebody recently said that it's fun to listen to us talk about the CW shows on our podcast because it's like listening to people who stab themselves in the leg and say, ow, that hurt. I should do it again. <laughs> And I said, well, that's fair enough, but I'm not yep. going to stop. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm good. I'm good with that. I'm good to move on. Yeah. And, you know, okay, so the next thing on my list is the Blacklist Redemption. And I gotta, I was not a fan of this episode at all. It's so funny that, like, we were both so psyched for this show and so psyched for the, the opportunities that they'd have. And then in the very second episode, they turn it all into, let's focus on sons and mothers and mothers not knowing sons. Uh, the first episode was so good, we both said, man, if it keeps up at this rate, you know, it's going to be a great show. And then the second episode, they it, it, it went as far down the hill for me as it had gone up the week before. Exactly. Yeah. And... You know, they they still have their Mission Impossible kind of uh, feel going to them, which is cooler than the Blacklist, you know? Right. I mean, it's got to be different, but basically it's still the same because, like, with the Blacklist, it's a new Blacklist member every week. With this one, it's a new person every week still, mm-hmm. it's, it's like. And, and this week, basically, it's a journalist who's kidnapped, accused of being a member of the CIA, of being a spy. He's in some sand country in the Middle East or Africa or something. Don't worry. Uh, his name is not Jimmy Olsen. Basically, it is. Uh, Scotty, this was like a childhood friend of Tom's, and he doesn't remember him. And so Scotty, it's like that's like her surrogate son. And so even though the State Department and and CIA or whatever say, don't go in there, she's like, screw you guys. I'll do what I want. And uh, sends the team in. And, of course, you know, it doesn't go the way it's supposed to. And then he ends up getting killed. And... Uh, Ultimately, they find out he was, in fact, a CIA agent. And when Scotty's like, well, I'm going to tell his mother, they're like, you can't. You'll put other people in danger. And uh, it was just stupid because you're right. It was about sons and daughters, uh, sons and mothers and and relationships. And it wasn't, I don't know, it just wasn't time for this episode. Because let's remember that one of the big hooks that they've got in the show, and I'm saying hook now generously. I, I should be saying yeah. gimmick. Yeah. But one of the big hooks is that Tom is her son. Yeah. Her long lost son that she lost when he was like <laughs> six or seven years old thought and that he was dead. Know. And she yeah. doesn't know, but he does. Right. So he's constantly looking at her and thinking, this is my mama. But I can't tell her. And so then they have this whole big thing where she's like, imagine a mother not knowing who her son really oh, is God, and yeah, never definitely. really knowing. And, and so then we get the, you know, heartfelt image of him staring at her and thinking, you know, oh, that's me. She doesn't know who I really am and blah, 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 blah. It was unacceptable to me. I way too heavy handed, way too, you know, what are you trying to do here? Blacklist redemption. 
Yeah, I just wasn't a fan. Yeah. So hopefully they turn it around and don't make it like that every time. Um, Grim. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know I'm moving right along, folks, but I, I my head's got to hit a pillow sooner than later, and I have some stuff I want to talk about later that's going to make John happy. So, <laughs> uh, Grim, I uh, so this episode was uh, basically it wasn't a Vessen again. It wasn't really a monster. It was it was a creature though. Yep. And there's not a lot much written about him in the books. And basically, there's a tree that takes up a domicile in the woods, and it has, like, a protector that anyone that causes damage to the woods, like uh, one guy's poaching, one lady's dumping toxic waste, uh, they, they, this guy basically kills him, sucks him into this tree, and this tree feeds off human blood. And somehow on the, on the uh, bark of the tree, on the trunk, like an image of that person's face appears who's been sucked in. Because you know that and makes sense. Well, there's debate if the person's still alive or dead, but either way, they're trapped within the tree somehow. And the whole point of the episode, because there's really no – there's a very little bit of Diana at the beginning where she does her Mary Sue thing, you know, where she's like, oh, uh, what you saw, you know, was the is hasn't happened yet, you know, where she basically tells them what the beast in the mirror is or what the, the what's going on in the mirror reflections, which is it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And then with Renard, the girl that – was researching the, the drawing that Diana made of what she wasn't supposed to tell him about it, but she's drawing it anyways. Uh, basically, he's like, I've never been afraid of anything, but I'm afraid of this. You need to find out what this is. Yeah. And that's the extent of them, and then everything else is focused on this tree monster. Yep. And yep. essentially, they – go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, to their credit – yeah. One of the, the they did something this episode that they haven't done in a long time, and it was yeah. almost getting back to old school Grim, which is they realized that nobody had really documented this kind of stuff. So at the end, yeah. they wrote their own Grim documentation, and yeah, they were like, they were "This documented. is how we, yeah, this is how we beat the creature. This is what it was. This is what it was doing." I was like, "Holy crap! This is like the old days yep. of the trailer." And they went to the chest and got the. Uh, they went to the trunk of weapons and got a weapon. Like when they used to open up the cabinet and he'd grab a weapon to stop one of the Vessen. Yeah. He's done that in forever. Yeah. And so he grabbed I, that big battle axe. And I'm like, it's about time he fights with a weird <laughs> weapon again. Right. And essentially, uh, Rosalie and, and Monroe concoct this, uh, this weird lizard thing that causes a rash to lizards to dump on the ground around the tree to try and lure the monster out. It doesn't work. They call Rosalie to save the day. She shows up with turpentine, but on the way, she bottoms out. And when she bottoms out, the amount of oil that comes pissing out of that vehicle would have drained that engine block in five feet. Oh, God, yeah. Did you see how thick that stream of oil was? Oh, yeah, for a little VW bug? Holy God. Exactly. But because of she's contaminating the ground, the monster comes after her. The guys come and rescue her. You know, Nick acts it in the chest and... It gets sucked up into the tree, but uh, at the end, still alive. Mm-hmm. So, but it was still a decent episode. I mean, uh, you All know, it, considered. Yeah, because it kind of went back to old school type of the dealing with an unknown creature, like you said, the documentation, the weird weapons, the fact that the majority of the focus of the episode was on the monster of the week as opposed to the ongoing story arc and with only a few episodes left. I mean, that may be the last time we get this treatment. Right, exactly. Maybe the last time that we're reminded why we watched the show in the first place. Exactly. Which was a good show. It It was. was. It sure was. was. 
Uh, next up for me, because I'm missing a page in my notes that apparently I must have thrown away. Uh-oh. It's, yeah, well, it's the first page, so it's the first half of the week, so I oh. don't think I need anything off that. No, nope, I don't think so. Um, Emerald City, the final two episodes. Yeah. And the, the summation real quick for me yeah. is that this show started off really good for me. It yep. kind of got not bad, but it was like, Ooh, I wonder if this is going to stay good. I wonder if this is going to stay good yep. in, in, for the next couple episodes. And it ended strong in my opinion. I felt it ended really strong. I'm going to talk about these two episodes combined basically as one. Good. Good. And the long of the, sh- and I'm just going to try and surmise a little bit, but basically <laughs> I'm going to go character by character, if you will. I was going to so, say directions of a compass. What's going on in the northeast, west, and south? <laughs> basically, yeah. Uh, so basically, the Wicked Witch of the West and Tip, um, she discovers the magic that she got from the East, which makes herself a boy again, which is garbage. It, it was very heavy-handed uh, gender equality yeah. issues, you know, yeah, transgender kind of stuff. Yeah, and then. West unveils all the witchy. Uh, there's the prison that the East kept all the witches in. The prison of the abject. The prison of the abject. Thank you. And she releases all of the witches that are healthy. Yep. To try to raise a witch army. Now, Dorothy, in the meantime, arrives there in order to try to rescue one of the Mun- Munichkin's witches, his wife, the leader guy's wife. And all that's left are the sick and the dying and some guy who's been skinned. Yeah. You know, he's, his skin's hanging from the tree and he's, he ain't got he's no gross. skin. Yeah. Turns out he's the what, forever, beast of forever or forever the, beast. The beast forever. The beast forever. He ends up being the beast forever by the end of the episode. Which I still wonder if he is one of the other researchers that, you know, was quote unquote killed when they first came over here. Yeah. But maybe right. wasn't. Fair enough. Um, so Dorothy begs that witch, the Munichkin leader witch, to uh, give her the ability to raise the stone giants because she wants to stop. Well, she has her own objectives, but basically she wants to go back home. So she'll do whatever it takes to go home, rather it's stopping the wizard, stopping Glenda, whatever. But the song of dance she gives is that she's going to use the stone giant to, you know, to force the wizard to bring her home and, and take him with her so that magic will be free so she does it so there's that cut back to tip in the west with all these other witches she says oh i'm you know osmond's kid and they're like no that was a daughter and then they turn on west so she (laughs) reveals herself to be a gorgeous princess with a beautiful gown and done up hair and her giant boobs on display again and then gives them all a little bit of her magic so they can all see the story of who she is and how the cowardly lion, if you will, murdered her family and they believe her. So she forces them to help West and then they advance on the castle. That that was probably one of the best interpretations of the cowardly lion that I've seen in a while. That was pretty awesome. And then what happens later? Well, I'm just going to talk about it now. When they arrive at Oz, when the new, the which will, would tip and which – uh, sorry, Tip in the West and all the other witches. I can't think of her name other than the Wicked Witch of the West. So when they all arrive at, at Oz, they basically force entry, uh, kill a couple guards, and then the cowardly lion soldier basically comes out, lays down his weapon, and surrenders the city to her. Yeah, and apologizes. And apologizes. And 
she knows who he is, obviously. She remembers from, you know, the magic that he killed her family. So she summons his family and he's like, no, you can't do this. And instead of killing his family, his wife and two daughters, she makes them not know who he is and yeah. forget who the father ever was. And when they look at him, they don't know who he is. Honestly, that's got to be worse. I I would think so. Yeah, it was really badass because she didn't have to kill anybody. She exactly. didn't have to inflict pain or you yep. know blood well, loss or anything like that. Yeah, his family is basically they're safe and healthy and they're happy within themselves. They just don't know who their dad is, and that's how it's to them. That's how it's always been. Mm-hmm. And then she rips him of his rank and title and banishes him from the city. To be the coward that he is in the lion costume, basically. Yep. And he, live, live as the animal that you are. Yeah, and he basically walks off, and he, he's he's gone. He's done. Um, yeah. So going back a little bit, Dorothy, before she goes off to release, get the powers of the stone monster, she has a run-in with the scarecrow, uh, Lucas or Roan, whatever you want to call him. And she he basically attacks her. And Toto saves her at one point, and then he basically begs her to stop him because he can't. Do you think – is he compelled that he can't or – No, I think that he – when he didn't have any of his memories of his wife, Glinda, and all the work that they were doing with the girls, he was basically a blank slate. And I think that he fell for Dorothy. And so when he got his memories back, he still had all that. So he has all these years of loving his wife, kind of like the person who wakes up from the coma and says, I don't remember anybody. I don't remember who I am. And then they fall for Sandra Bullock and then uh, find out that they've got a wife. And that's a movie. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It, it applies here, though. You know, it's it's in medical okay, fair dictionaries. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. <laughs> it's in medical dictionaries. So, yeah, I, I think that he's conflicted because it, it wasn't just that his time with her, he fell for her, which is kind of weird. Um, but it's that his time with her, he was a good person, and now he remembers all of his time with Glinda, and he's kind of questioning that. Yep. So, well. She ends up stabbing him in the side. Dorothy she does. does. Dorothy ends up stabbing him in the side as he's trying to strangle her while he's begging her to stop him. And mm-hmm. essentially, she doesn't kill him. She hangs him back up like he's a scarecrow on a cross in the field and leaves him as she found him in the first episode. Yep. Which, again, I don't know if that like automatically resets his memory or something because she said something about now you'll have no memory of me. I I don't uh, or, know if it's just more symbolic. Magic? Oh, she could have because she definitely has a better control of that magic. <laughs> yep. So over in Eve, Ev. sorry, over in Ev, the wizard is there when we last saw him demanding his guns. And she decides that she's going to screw him over. And her counsel is like, well, your father would have accepted the gold. And, and, and she's fine. I will accept the gold. And I'm going to keep his guns. And that's what she decides. Well, the Oz, Wizard of Oz, is he's smart. And he basically had men hiding out like Trojan horses in the, <laughs> in the treasure chest, if you will, gold chest. Although I don't know if you caught this issue, but he like rolled up with a cart that had all those chests of gold. And, yeah. he, and they're like, bring the gold inside, only the gold. And he's like, what? And so then we've got five perfectly spaced chests of gold in the throne room. And uh, that's where the ninjas roll out of. And then yes. 
after they inspect the gold, the, just the one chest, they're like, okay, let's inspect the gold. And then they go out there and they're like, we're keeping the guns. And they pan down to the wizard and he's still got all the chests of gold on the cart. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yep. It was huh. a, it was a mistake. An oops. Nice. Continuity was not accurate. Correct. So they basically take the city, uh, for the most part. They don't have the whole city. They have the throne room. Her, her soldiers are still armed, but they're on the outside of like her chambers and few, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, and essentially they have the big moment where she, where they come out and he orders her, the wizard orders her, the queen of Ev, to tell her men to lay down the guns. And, and, and don't forget, he tells her to put on an appropriate mask and she yes, chooses which no she mask. chose not to wear one. And we find out the reason she wore the masks. Well, okay, we'll get to that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Jump ahead. So in the interim, so now we have a Mexican standoff where she's got a gun. He's got a gun on her. The guards have guns up on them. They have guns down on them. And she's basically saying, you know what? Kill me. I don't care. We're not giving him the guns. We're not going to bow down to the wizard anymore. Right. You got Tip up on the side. He's no, gone to Jack. Jane. Sorry, Jack, the Tin Man. That's what I was thinking. Tin up on this, up on like the balcony. And she, he's gone to Jane, and he's all like, "Make me the weapon, so I can stop the wizard." Which you'd think he's already a robotic soldier. She could make his arm into a badass cannon or something. Oh, or something awesome Harpoon like that. Harpoon launcher. Yeah, you know? I mean, really anything you could imagine. Yep, and she chose. <laughs> A derringer, basically? Derringer. Yeah, like a one-shot derringer that's embedded into his hand. And he does. He shoots the queen right in the head. Yep. And then uh, some gunfires exchanged. And essentially, the, the wizard's captured. Yeah. I was glad to see that because he, like, starts running off. And I'm like, really? This guy's going to sneak out the back? Nope. Um. So Jack brings... Queen of Ev to Jane and like you gotta fix her. And at first Jane's all like, Oh, she's she's dead, I can't fix her. Well you fixed me, well you weren't dead. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she's like, But don't worry and then she cuts her face off to reveal that she's been dead for years and that she's a machine. Yep. It turns out when the beast forever came through last time he wiped out everybody in the royal family of Ev except for the father. Yep. And the father yep. was like, I'm grieving so much, I lost my sons, I lost my wife. Make me a fake daughter. And that's what she did, and that's why she wore the masks, to show that she never aged. Right, right. They didn't want her face to, you know, through the years, yeah. never age. And although, I gotta say, and I had been waiting for this, and I kinda knew it was coming, I yeah. think she, she really looked better with the masks on. I honestly thought the same thing, like, I, and not to be like, I'm like, I don't want to sound like a dick or anything, nope, but. Nope. It she was, looks better with her face covered up. She really did. And part of that <laughs> is the fact that um, if you look at her eyebrows, they are a very, very thick, dark brown, black, etc. And she was rocking a bleach blonde hairdo. Oh, I didn't notice that, but... Yeah. So, so you know that she's naturally a very dark brunette. So it kind of made her her whole symmetry look off anyway but yeah she uh she was really much better off with the masks on because it gave her an an air of mystery and importance and coolness i initially thought when she got shot in the head and didn't bleed it was because of the tv show rating or they didn't want to show blood oh yeah something uh it's because she's a robot doesn't have blood robot in disguise but she has sex 
So mm-hmm. Jane really made her anatomically correct. Yeah. Yeah, no clicking or whirring, apparently, when that yeah. happened. <laughs> Makes you think. So, um... So, so this basically... Was- this was one part that kind of bugged me because, you know, yeah. we have the wizard get captured and he's marched out on the balcony. I thought they were going to have him walk off the edge of the castle. They oh, had him no, blindfolded they- and they walked him right out to the edge yep. and they got a firing yep. squad because these people, you know, they finally have guns for the first time ever. They're still getting used yep. to them, but they know what a firing squad is, apparently. I thought the same thing. I know that. Wow, they figured out that firing squad thing really quick. <laughs> so you they, they march him out there. Everything, yeah. Yeah. And they're ready to execute him, and then suddenly the ground starts shaking, and you see that it's Dorothy walking with her pet stone giant. And the next thing you know, the wizard is released. Yeah, why didn't they kill him? That didn't make any sense. They could have been like, well, let's shoot this guy real quick, then we'll worry about that. Right. But nope. Right, yeah. like he might have, because he was a master manipulator. He might have said to them, yeah. "You know, oh, I brought the beast, uh, the stone giant, and he'll crush your kingdom if you don't let me go." But they never tell us that. We're just, we see him about to get shot, and then we see him out on the battlefield. Yeah, walking into his tent where he meets up with Dorothy, and he's like, "Oh, so with she- the soldiers of Ev at his side." Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, th- yeah, it didn't make any sense. No, it made no sense. No. Um, basically, Dorothy reveals that she has the power of the stone giants. The power of voodoo, hoodoo, you do? Yeah. And then Jack decides he's going to go off and kill the wizard because he has it coming. With an axe. With an axe. And nothing, it doesn't matter what happens to him because he's dead already. He's he's dead too. Like, yep. like Eve, uh, yeah. Eve, the queen Lang- of Eve. Languideer. Yeah, there you go. So now, the next we're at the battlefield. Uh, locusts appear. They're not locusts. They're Glenda and the rest of the witches. And as they're being overcome, uh, Dorothy uses her magic to basically stop or freeze a locust mm-hmm. from around her. Mm-hmm. Glenda appears, and, and they they have a they they talk shit to each other for a while, and then Sophie appears. And Glenda basically orders Sophie to destroy the rock monster by have. You know, make having him crumble apart. Yep. Which, hi, why didn't they do that last time? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Dorothy begs Sophie to not do it and is like, please, you don't have to listen to her. You don't have to do this. Not because she doesn't want her to destroy the rock monster, but she doesn't want her to, something to happen to her. Right. Yeah, she's still worried about the safety of the girl. Exactly, because when they overwhelm themselves or they do too much, you know, they get sick. Maybe, you know, they they go crazy. I mean, they, they break, and yeah. she doesn't want her to break because she cares about her. Yep. And Glenda uses that against her because she even brings that up. Me like, well, I know you care about her, so I'm going to, you know, pit her against you. Right. And all of a sudden, the wizard shoots her, and I was like, oh, that was the wrong move. Yeah. Well, when but- that happened. Sorry, go ahead. Let's not also forget that Dorothy somehow also has control of the other stone giant that we've seen poised yes. precariously in Oz over the little temple of the witches. Yes, she uses her magic to have it stabbed down through to the hidden chamber below that she somehow knows about. And I she's been in that temple, though, in a previous episode. Uh, she was or in the temple, but she's never been in the hidden chamber down below. But maybe she has the memories of East. Could be. That could be. But again, they didn't you know? explain that to us. So. No, right. They didn't. But that but rocks Glinda's world. She's like, whoa. 
Yeah, when that spear drops, it basically stops, cuts her magic off momentarily. Yep. And all the locusts turn into the witch children, and then the wizard shoots Sophie and then orders them to shoot everybody else. And they just get laid waste to by the guards. They drop in like flies. Oh, yeah, just brutally being shot and, and, yeah. And then, uh, Jake, uh, Jack shows up, the Tin Man, and, uh, doesn't get to the wizard before he gets intercepted by some of the guards. And then basically, he gets into a little battle with three of the guards and they overwhelm him, shoot him several times, and then start ripping him apart. Oh, yeah. It was kind of like the, uh, what the winged monkeys did in the the original Wizard of Oz movie. Yep, yep. To the scarecrow. It just, oh, ripped yep. him apart, left him strewn on the battlefield. And, uh, Dorothy goes after the wizard. Yep. And basically somehow gets him back into Oz, past West and Ozma and well, their army of witches. Well, what happened, well, before that though, um, all the witches all of a sudden come back to life. Right, because this says a witch has to kill. Only a witch can kill a witch. Yep. And he's like, "Well, no. These guns are supposed to stop the beast forever." And then Glenda tells him, "I'm not the beast forever." And so it's implied that the wizard is probably right. We learn later he's not. At least I'm assuming he's not based on the ending. Uh, Glenda goes to the to the Wizard of Oz to the, to, to Oz. Uh, to the palace or whatever, and that's when he, she finds out that West is there with the other witches, and that Tip is the queen. And she ain't having none of that. West's well, like, no. we're supposed to serve the royalty, and we're supposed to serve as advisors and help them. And Glinda's like, no, I want all the power for myself. But ultimately, she does decide to serve. She does, but I think that there's a, another agenda oh, there. Oh, yeah, but what we last see is she's agreed, but yeah. ultimately, yeah. And then you're right, Dorothy somehow gets there with the wizard without his wig, and then makes him take him upstairs. Oh, and in this as well, the wizard has a meet-up with Jane and says that, Dor- and we learn out that Dorothy is actually Jane's daughter, mm-hmm. that she had given her up. Um, and then they keep having these moments where they almost meet each other, but then they don't, yep. like on the battlefield and in the castle. And- yeah. And then we cut to – we're back in Oz, and Dorothy and the wizard are up where the machine is. And she basically is telling him, you need to turn this on and send me back home. And then he basically acts kind of like a jerk, saying like, well, maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't work. I don't know. And- because he never built it. It was Jane exactly. that built it. Exactly. And then he's about to destroy it when Jane shoots him. And it's implied that he's killed, but maybe, maybe not. Yep. And then Jane and Dorothy have the big I'm your mom talk. And then the tattoo proves it and blah, blah, blah. And Which, then who puts she, a tattoo on a baby? Right? Right? And then Jane sends Dorothy back to Kansas. Yep. And through this, it's over intercut with the beast flying over basically all the lands we've seen, and all you see is like the shadow of the winged thing, and you hear the noise of it, and everyone's looking up at it. But we don't actually see the front side of the beast. Right. So this is where it got interesting, and up until this point, it sounds like we're being hypercritical, but actually it was very enjoyable to watch. It it was a good show. So there was so much crammed into these two episodes. Yeah, like, there's a lot to go over because they are taking all these different 
you know, parts of the story and, and finalizing it. So, I mean, it's a lot to cover, to, you know, for all the characters that we've been introduced to. Exactly. So Dorothy's now back in Kansas and uh, according to what she says later on, only about 10 minutes have passed. She finds Karen Chapman down in the root cellar that she left her in and there's blood all over the place, but you know, it fades out when it fades back in. She's taken her to a hospital and is going to go check on her because she's been checking on her for the past couple of days and hopefully she'll wake up. And, um, so. We find, you know, basically that means that time passes differently in the two places. So all the time that she spent in awe is only like 10 minutes passed in the real world. So now days have passed in the real world, which means that years and years, maybe even decades have passed in Oz. Yeah. Um, and she's walking out across the field and she sees Toto, but it's not really Toto. It's just a dog that looks like Toto. And she's like, oh, I knew it couldn't have been Toto. And she's like patting the dog. And then a shadow looms over her shoulder and she turns around and it's Lucas slash Roan. Slash Scarecrow. Yep. And he's just like, your mother sent me. She's a prisoner of the beast forever. You need to come back to Oz. We need you. And well, no, it, she, he, he says, she says, uh, so you, you're taking me back. And he goes, I'm taking you home. Yeah. And then when they pan out, you see the tornado forming. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed this. Yes, I did as well. I really did enjoy it. You know, I was uh, on the fence when we first started watching it and everything. But, you know, I, I really did enjoy it. Yeah. And I really like how they ended it that way because now we know that multiple years have probably passed in Oz. So things yes. are different. They can move on. Absolutely. It won't be like that atrocious return to Oz with Feruza Balk back oh in the my 80s. God. Okay. I'm <laughs> we, literally sitting in the house right now, almost in the same spot on a different couch. Where you were traumatized by that? I ever saw that movie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was at my aunt Patty's house. My cousin Amanda, my cousin Tim, and I. We were sitting on the couch. We watched. They they put this movie on because oh hi kids, you should watch this movie that came out like eighty five, eighty six. Mm-hmm. So we were probably seven, eight years old when they made us sit down and watch this godforsaken movie in the dark, might I add? And it was terrifying. The wheelie guys. Oh yeah, terrifying. The, 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 the different, I mean, it wasn't different masks this one wore. It was different heads. And then this head, just the only, the, the, the heads are screaming. It was terrifying. <laughs> and I bought that house this year, last year, and now I'm sitting in that same room, probably with the same wallpaper. God, and I just reopened the wounds. You're welcome. It was. It was like that wasn't like that was not a kid movie. No. Even the scarecrow was creepy to look at. And then the lion was a real lion. Like For an some actual reason. lion. <laughs> yeah. That was just no. No, no, no. I haven't watched it in years. And I don't think it would scare me like it once did, but I don't want it to lose its splendor. Right. Anyhow, sorry. Tangent. Um, I'm going to forego for right now talking about Legion this week because I know that you haven't caught up on it and I really think that you owe it a look. It's, okay. it's getting better, but last next week I work, will be talking about it. Last night at work, I queued up the episodes. I stared at them. I went, I got two to watch. I went, no, I'm not doing it right now. <laughs> Just couldn't do it. I watched something else, though. Well, I'm going to talk about that show. I'm giving you until next week to catch right. up on it. Fair enough. Um, and I know that you 
have started watching The Detour on my suggestion. Yes. Yes, I have. Um, I loved the first season. Haven't watched any of the second. Watched all the first season. There's so much awesome, inappropriate humor that I cannot believe that it's on TBS. (laughs) It's really amazing that they get away with that kind of stuff. And it shows, too, that you can have really funny, inappropriate stuff without having it be like literal dick and vaginas on screen. You know, um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely a lot of dick or anything. And fart. I mean, there's, it's, it's got its fair share of dick and fart jokes. Right, right, right. But, um, but you but don't need man, the hard R rating. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. It's, again, I, I know it says it's TVMA. Cannot believe what they get away with on TBS. <laughs> I really love the the way that they talk. You know, that's part of the big thing for me mm-hmm. is the dialogue because the it dialogue seems kind of real. Fantastic. Yeah. And like I said, my favorite episode in the first season was when they were discussing how they got together, how they first met each other, and it was a train wreck. Like, yes. they were just awful people. She walks right up to him and she's like, "You're a douchebag." <laughs> yes. It they was, were at a wedding, or no, they were at a funeral. And yeah. Their sister is the one that brought them to the funeral, and she's like, hey, do you want to go to a party? Yeah. And um, <laughs> It's not a party, so, it's a funeral. Yeah, exactly. And then her sister brought drugs, and then said, oh, I got the drugs from that guy, and that's when she went up to him and was like, you're an asshole. And he's, It was just great. The dialogue's great. I mean, the, the back and forth, the banter, the... The subversiveness. It's just so bad. The way they use bodily discharge for humor. Uh huh. It's just, it's fantastic. The the non PC thing, like, uh, when they're at the medieval times and he's like, it's a chink in the armor and there's a Chinese guy and he's like, what do you mean? Well, it's a, it's a phrase. You don't have to use that phrase. Well, and the thing is, he doesn't know he's an Asian fellow until he gets offended and puts his, Matt takes his helmet off. He's like, (laughs) what did you just say? He's like, oh, okay. So, um, well, this is just unfortunate. Like, if just, it literally was a, you know, and the armor. So, I don't yep. know. It was great. It was good stuff. The second season continues that. This most recent episode, they're trying to have sex in the most couple way possible. It, it's just perfect. You know, she's like arguing. She's like, well, I got to go pee. And he's like, oh, it's not going to take that long. She's like, yeah, but I'm going to be thinking about it the whole time. Well, come on. Just get over here. I'll be really quick. She's like, all right, but I got to brush my teeth because I want to taste good. He's like, you're not going to be tasting anything. Well, what if I put it in my mouth? Well, you're not going to put it in your mouth. Don't worry about it. Just hurry it up. I'll just be really quick. I'll shoot it all over your back. You'll be done. And, uh. And then their, their daughter interrupts them, and it's great because she knocks on the door. And they're like, you know, go away, please. She's like, the door's locked. Well, yeah, it's locked. Just go away. Are you having sex? And they're like, no, we're not having sex. Are you wrapping presents? No, we're not wrapping presents. Well, those are the only two times you guys ever locked the door. What's going on? It was great. And then her mother, like under her breath, calls her a cock block, but she hears it and she's like, what's a cock block? Is that something with a chicken? And she's running back and forth, going cock block, cock block. It was. Yeah, it's just that sounds awesome. Yeah, if you get a chance to download the second season, so far there's three episodes. (laughs) I strongly recommend it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I definitely plan on catching up. Um, so I watched this movie on Netflix called The Similars, and essentially it's it's about an hour and a half long. It's uh, takes place in Mexico in 1968 at a bus station with some stranded people. It is in Spanish with English subtitles. 
Um, and I would just call it like a, a an episode of the Twilight Zone, basically. I mean, okay. it opens and closes with a narrator, similar to how Rod Sterling would be, basically setting up what you're about to see and then surmising it at the end. And there's this really weird rainstorm, and they refer to it as a worldwide hurricane on the weather reports and updates. That seems and unlikely. Yes, very unlikely. And it's like nothing we've ever seen before. And there's this weird phenomena going around where people are transforming. And everybody is transforming into the same thing. And they're trying to figure out why. And all I'm going to say is what they're transforming into is not a beast or creature or something like that. I do not want to give it away right now. I'm going to give people a couple weeks and then I'll talk about it then uh, to, to watch it on their own because I truly think it's worth the watch. Um, it is so just weird and just I just when I saw it I was like I'm like what the freak is this? Like I it's so hard to describe without giving it away. Um but it just literally like I, I, I shook my head, I laughed, I couldn't stop watching it. Um it was hilarious the way it was done, and I'm just like I'd like to know – I'd like to be on the fly on the wall when the person who wrote this came up with this idea and came up with this story and they were like, yeah, this is going to be good stuff. I mean and it is, but like what led them – all I can think is people sat around bullshitting each other. It was like, well, how about we have this happen? And they're like, ha, 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 ha. And then one of them's like, well, shit, what if we do that? And then he's got to talk his buddy into it before they agree to do it. And You know what I mean? Like – I know I'm being vague. I don't want to give it away. So just I'll give so it a week or two. You said it's like a Twilight Zone episode, but it sounds like it's a comedy kind of thing, the way you're describing it. No, but it is not a comedy. That's the thing. It is not treated like a comedy any way, shape, or form. It's treated like a horror movie or a supernatural-type scenario. But like what these people transform into, you're just like, what the fuck? Like this is ridiculous. But it's like a train wreck or a car crash. You gotta, you gotta keep watching it. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And if you want, John, I'll tell you what it is when we get off air. But I am gonna give people a chance to watch it if they want to. Um, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, it takes place in nineteen, specifically October second, nineteen sixty-eight, in uh, Mexico, and people are trying to take a, get a bus up to Mexico City, and it's just not working out for them. Hmm. Okay. Um. I watched another flick called Night of the Living Deb. Night of the Living Deb with a B? Deb. D-E-B. David Edward Boy. Deb. Like Debbie. Like Deborah. Okay. Night of the Living Deb. And it takes place in Maine. And it was actually filmed in Portland, Maine back in 2014. I remember seeing things on the news about it now. Yeah, I do too. Now that you mentioned And essentially, Deb has a one-night stand with Ryan. And when they wake up in the morning, it's super awkward. Uh, based on the circumstances in which they hooked up, and they also discover that it's the zombie apocalypse has uh, has has come upon us. But it's unlike any other zombie movie I've, you've ever seen. It, it's not a worldwide thing; it's a local thing connected to Portland, based on environmental issues. Okay. Ryan's parents, Ryan's dad specifically, played by Ray Wise, um, works for the company that caused this to happen. 
Oops. So basically, the city of Portland's put under this quarantine, and these zombies, they, um, like I said, it's not like any other zombie movie. It's they are suffering from, I guess, like a virus, but it's not like a rage virus or anything, but it has turned them into mindless zombies that want to eat people. Okay. And um, Deb is like a really flighty, like just kind of eccentric girl who like when she rams a zombie with her car, she's like, whatever, they're dead anyways. It's not like they can feel it. And my big old Cadillac can take it. And Ryan's just mortified that she's just running these people down. Um, it's definitely a campy comedy horror flick. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I was really surprised how much I like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely worth checking out. It uh, takes place in, in Portland, Maine, like I said. And um, it's right there on Netflix. Definitely worth checking out. It's about an hour and 20 minutes, essentially. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. And uh, I did watch uh, another movie. I didn't talk about it when we recorded yesterday, John, but uh, I watched a movie called The Windmill. Okay. And this is a, uh, you know, I don't know what company made it, but basically it takes place in Amsterdam, Amsterdam, Holland. And it's essentially a, uh, a supernatural slasher flick about a group of tourists that get on a bus to go view historic windmills. It's okay. a tour bus. And the, everyone on it has their own secret and their own thing, but the main character is a girl named Jennifer. She's Australian. She's on the run. We don't know what she did, but um, she's on the run from but authorities. Those Australians are a bunch of criminals anyway, so it could be anything. Exactly. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, it is in English. The only like foreign part is a Japanese guy who also is on the bus, but there's a, a girl there, of course, that speaks Japanese, and she translates what he says type of thing, so there's no subtitles involved in that. Um, but, yeah, it's in English. It's it's. I was very surprised how kind of like a, a fun little movie it was. I mean, basically, the bus breaks down. They end up at this windmill that's not on the map. There's some sort of horrible historical thing that happened that's created this supernatural killer that uses that windmill as his base of operations to to slaughter people when he gets the opportunity. And so, of course, he starts picking off people one by one, and um, there's a good reason behind it. And it's, it's again, you know, it's it, it's a decent kind of story. Got a great, uh, a great me-approved ending where think people don't live happily ever after. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I really liked it. It's just a fun little hour and a half long horror flick um, with the same scenario of a group of people in a dark place in the woods and someone's killing them. Neat. Yeah, seems definitely to, worth checking out. Seems to be a theme you get going there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and then the only other movie that I'd want to talk about this go around is Get Out. And that's a movie you and I went and saw together in the theaters. We sure did. Sat right down there in those chairs without popcorn or sodas and said, let's watch us a movie. We did. We watched us a flick that is billed as a horror movie, and I argue with that premise. I call it a very dark psychological thriller. I would agree with you on that one. I did not see much, if any, horror in this at all. There was and some killing but yep. I would not classify it as horror-type killing. 
uh, written directed by Jordan Peele of Key and Peele fame. I've recently listened to him on both The Nerdist and uh, What Wait, 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 Don't Tell Me. And he does say it's a horror movie. And he isn't shy about um, talking about the fact that, like, he, the opening scene in the movie with this guy walking down the street, in his mind, he was seeing Halloween. Yes, I, I saw that as well. I, I agree with you. I did see that as well. And so, you know, he's not shy to say there's a, some homages in there. And honestly, the way he describes the movie to me gives it away. Okay. I'm not going to say the move, one of the other movies that he talks about that he kind of says, like, it's kind of like this meets this. But to me, one of those movies especially is a big, big giveaway to me after since I've seen it, you know? Right. And if I would have known that beforehand, going in watching that movie, I would have been thinking the whole time, well, he compared it to this type of movie. And so it'd be like saying it's, you know, Back to the Future meets um, whatever, so you know there's some time travel element in it. Right. So that's always going to be on the back of your mind. Or like when uh, the Blair Witch Project came out originally and the kids yes. went on talk shows and were like, oh, it's all fake. We made up the whole thing. So you go into the movie and you're like, well, I know this is all fake, so – well, actually, to be fair, they didn't do that until after the movie came out. Yeah, like and a week they, later. Exactly. But I went opening day, and there was people in there that truly believed that movie was real. And when the projector broke and the and the and the the, the film melted like it does when the light bulb stays on it too long, mm-hmm. the people started screaming <laughs> and panic broke out. Oh, and I literally. Oh, it was ridiculous. Like, they had to flip all the lights on. They had to get in people in there, tell everyone to calm down. The projector just broke. Nothing's coming after. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like, people, I swear some people legitimately thought the Blair Witch was coming for them. <laughs> it was insane. We'll Anyways. have this all fixed in a few minutes, folks. But in the meantime, if you'd like to donate some money to the Will Rogers Institute, we'll be ah. sending people around with cans to collect oh your charitable God. donations. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. That was the first time when I went and saw Blair Witch in the theater at Hoyt's in Augusta at the time. It was the first time I'd ever seen where they came into the theater with, like, trays where they had soda, snacks, popcorn, this and that. And they essentially, like, sold concessions in the theater to people. Yep. And they charged more than they did out in the friggin' lobby. (laughs) Like everything was like fifty cents more for the convenience of us, you know, bringing having it in here to hand it to you. And I was, of course, I didn't buy anything then because who the hell pays three dollars and fifty cents for a twenty ounce soda, right? Um. Anyway, sorry, sidetracked again. Get out. Um. There's definitely some comedy elements in it, and I think you and I talked about this. It's almost like there's this one particular scene where this TSA agent, who's the best friend of the lead character, is talking to the police because he's worried about his friend. They don't believe him. And it's almost to me like I can see that scene of the movie where like they wrote a Key and Peele comedy skit about, this is what white people are doing to us black people. And then the officer's just laughing at him. Mm-hmm. And then he, ooh, that's, you know what, let's, let's explore this. And then he wrote a really dark friggin' flick around that, that little comedy skit. Right. And, um, 
It worked. It's a fantastic movie. It really was. I loved this movie. I was surprised at how much I loved this movie. It kept me feeling tense throughout most of it. Um, it was nothing like, it was not an M. Night Shyamalan kind of twisty thing. It was nothing like, you know, a Soylent Green is people. It was just really dark and twisted. And one thing that really made me happy was Key and Peel is a great duo. They've done some awesome stuff together. I've loved their sketches. Not all of them, obviously, but they've had right. a lot of good things, a lot of meme-worthy stuff, quotable stuff, you know. Uh, but since their show, like, in the last season or two, and then since it's gone away, we've seen more of uh, Keegan-Michael Key show up in movies. He's lent his voice to things. He's showed up in movies. He's everywhere. And I haven't seen as much of Jordan Peele. And I was like, well, that's too bad. You know, I think that he was probably just as talented, if not more talented. And so to see that he's doing stuff like this makes me think, yes, okay, so we're going to keep both of them. You know, they're both yeah. going to be out there doing their own things. And this guy obviously yeah. has some chops if he wrote and directed this Good um, on yeah. him. Yeah, and it, it, it's well written. The dialogue's good in it. It has lots of overt racism in it, but not be, of, not beating you over the head and making you feel no. like white shame or anything. No, no, no. It's basically like I don't think you hear the n word a single time. No, from any character at all, which was kind of like refreshing, I guess. Yeah. But basically, it's like they took the elements of like when a white person, and of course. Uh, Whatever. A white person is trying to relate to a black person by saying, I'm not racist. I'm, you know, black, I'm, I'm cool with black people. I have a black friend. Exactly. Yeah. And they, but he like cranks it up 10 notches. Yeah. So they'll be like, you know, you know I mean? oh, you must really enjoy having those awesome genetics that let you run fast and jump high and stuff. Right. Yeah. Stuff like that. And it's just like, there's a, there's a, you know, there's like a scene where they have a run in with a police officer. And they, the police officer asked to see his ID, and he's like, hey, no problem. And his white girlfriend's like, what do you need to see that for? He wasn't driving the vehicle. And it's just like, I'm like, oh, God. And then it's like over the top. You know what I mean? Like um, <laughs> the, the one older, heavy set white guy who's like, it's so fashionable to be black right now. It's what's in. Yes, yes, exactly. So, um, But it's handled in a great way. And there's a lot of weird, creepy, eerie moments. It takes a twist I never expected it to be. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just, it's great. It is. It's really good. It is really, really well watch. done. I would even say it's worth a theater watch just to, if, if you're looking to have an enjoyable theater experience, yep. go see this. It's great. It's there's nothing worse than shelling out ten bucks or fifteen bucks or more to go to the movies and be disappointed. That's right. Because if you're watching something on Netflix, you can always just turn it off and be like, "Well, I'm only paying eight dollars a month." So, or in my case, you know, whatever it is, like eleven dollars a month for the HD package. But yeah. you, you can just say, "Well, that's you know, ten cents off my monthly bill." Wah. But you know, you spend ten, eleven dollars. Yeah. Drive all the way there. Maybe pay for some overpriced popcorn and soda. Oh, God, no. No, never buy anything at the concession stand. That is ridiculous. I'm just cheap. That's <laughs> Um I watched one other movie at the theaters this week, and it was surprising to me that I actually got to see it, but I went and saw Logan on Sunday. I do want to go see that movie. 
Um, obviously it's brand new. I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to talk about anything in detail, but I will say a couple of things. One, the preview for Deadpool two was on the beginning of it and it's hilarious. hilarious. Uh, there's two different versions. The one in the theater did not have the Stanley cameo. It didn't have him making a phone call and asking where's Laird. Um, who is this, uh, prop guy or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was hilarious. It felt so Deadpool-y. And it was after all the previews. Like, we had the previews, and then we had the little, you know, Coca-Cola thing, please silence your cell phones. And it was like the movie was about to start. And then you get that preview, which was awesome. It was so good. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, go online, look up Deadpool 2 teaser. It's like, you know, two minutes long, and it's so worth it. Because if you love the oh, original it's movie. it's absolutely worth it. But don't. it's not safe for work, folks. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, though, that was one thing with Logan. Like they said, that they made the decision to have an R-rated movie. And I thought, okay, well, you know, maybe they'll throw an F-bomb in or they'll have some yeah. more blood, which is good. No. They said, let's do an R movie, and let's see how close to NC-17 we can get it. Oh, they went for it then, yeah. Oh, they went for it. I mean, there was blood, there was guts, there was a small child decapitating a grown man and throwing his head on the ground for people to look at. There was dismemberment. There was so many scenes of Logan, like, doing what Logan does, putting his claws through people's skulls and jaws and carving their arms off and their legs off, ripping their chests open, and there was liberal use of the F-word. I mean, it was peppered throughout so much. Charles Xavier, a couple of times, was like, fuck you, Logan, what the fuck are we doing here? And I'm like, wow, this is great. They really went all out. Um, But this definitely... They say that it does not take place in the same universe as the existing X-Men movies that we've been getting. Yep. Which, yeah, I, I get what they're saying, but at the same time, they're rebooting the X-Men series anyway. So I guess it didn't really need to be said, but whatever. Um, you know, they actually have X-Men comics in this, and he makes reference to that. He's like, you know, only like 25% of this happened, and what did, you know, didn't happen like this. And, uh, it was nothing like the X-Men movies that we've come to know and love, it was a heartfelt story. It was a touching story. There was a lot of feeling in it. Yes, there was a lot of blood and killing, but it was a lot more on the feeling side of things. It was depressing, but in a good way, like a beautiful way. In fact, the uh, if you've seen the Deadpool teaser, at the very end of the teaser, they have this super fast scrolling wall of text that is a synopsis of the old man in the sea. And it's basically saying you're about to watch Logan, which has some allegorical similarities to the old man in the sea. And I could see that there were, there were some parts in there that were very, you know, similar in theme, but, right. but it's definitely a, a heartfelt, the two ladies that I went with were both, in tears at the end, you know, well, oh, throughout, throughout the wow. movie, you know, there were so many touching parts and it's just really good. I'm not going to give away anything else. I'm not going to like explain in more depth than that. You know, you're going to watch it. Everyone knows that they want to watch this movie. If they, you know, like the superhero kind of films, just realize that it's not like a Captain America or an Iron Man. This is a dark, somber movie. And, <clears throat> It's not a it's not a happy film, but it's so good. It was so well done, and I really really liked it. Cool, yeah, cool. 
couple of trailers to note, uh, yep. both of them Netflix ones. One is a, um, and I don't know when this is actually launching on Netflix, um, but it's a new serial killer series from David Fincher. It's set in 1979 featuring the FBI's uh, behavioral analysis unit, and it's called Mindhunter. And it looks really, really good. They had a movie called Mind Hunters a while back. They well, they had one. Yes, they had one called Mind Hunters that was also featured the FBI's BSU, I believe, or FBI, uh, yeah, profilers. Yep. I, I think I actually went to the theaters and saw that. Okay. I think Lily Rush from Cold Case was on that movie. In that movie, it's the only movie I can think of she was in. I think Christian Slater was in that movie as well. Yes, he was. I remember he yeah. was in there. He was like the head FBI guy, and they were all getting picked off by like things that were tailored just to them or something. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the other trailer I saw was, and this was a t- t- true teaser. It was for Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. And very little shown. All it is is basically women, their heads are cut off, they're in a rustling ring, and they're kind of doing maneuvers on each other uh, wearing 80s-style rustling gear while there's some music playing. I should clarify, it's not that their heads were cut off as in decapitation, it's just you don't get to see their faces. Like the camera cuts off the the Yes, exactly. Because we've been talking about all these horror movies and stuff. Yes. All these decapitated bodies are running around wrestling. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that's all my notes. Did you have anything more? Uh, a couple of things. Alien Covenant put out a full trailer oh, yeah. and a band trailer. Yeah. Again, I want to be optimistic about this because Ridley Scott's yep. back on board, but I yep. really hated Prometheus. Go ahead, send all the hate mail you want. I don't care. It was terrible. Um I want to be enthusiastic about this because I loved Alien. I loved Aliens. And they yep. were both very different types of movies, but yep. both really worked well. Anything beyond Aliens was garbage. Um, I, I personally, um, I'm not going to watch any trailer or any additional material for this movie because I already know I want to see it. Yeah. So you don't want to get it ruined for you. and Exactly. Like, what movie did we see? We went and saw Get Out. We saw the trailer. And I leaned over to you and I said, well, they just showed us way too much of this movie in the trailer. Oh, yeah. I don't remember what it was, but I remember it was, it, that was exactly it. It was like, wow, we've seen yeah. everything in here. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and then I saw a surprising trailer. I had heard nothing about this to date. Um, oh, that's when right. I went to see Logan, and that was The Circle. And it seen, it's one of those movies that starts off like really happy. Everybody loves the circle. It's the happiest place to work. Everybody wants to work at the circle. It's essentially Facebook or Google, um, if you will, but it's Emma Watson gets a job there and she's all excited and everyone treats her really nice and they love having her there. And Tom Hanks is the, the person who runs it, the leader, et cetera. Um, it's Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. 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 Um, and then we find out, you know, that there's a dark side because, you know, everybody is to the point now where all they do is film things on their phones and tablets and they just, they look at the world through the lens of the circle and nobody helps people and they just, they want to record everything and take pictures of everything. So then there's something far more sinister going on and John Boyega, you know, Finn from episode seven is like, oh, I'll show you what's going on inside the circle in the dark recesses. So it's definitely got thriller aspects to it too. I was just surprised that with names like this and a concept yeah. like this, I had never heard of it until this point and suddenly there's a full trailer, not even a teaser, a full trailer for it. Yeah, I don't remember hearing anything about it either, so 
And but it does sound kind of decent. Yeah. The only other trailer that was really of note to me, I mean, I saw the trailer for Dunkirk. It was extended. It's going to be very good for people who like that kind of stuff. I'm not that kind of a person. I don't like war movies. I don't get into that kind of stuff. It's just not my personal preference. I'm not like anti-war yep. movie. I just, it, it's not my thing. Just like um, sports are not my thing. So, yep. but I watched the full trailer for the DuckTales reboot. Oh yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I once again forgot to talk about that. But go ahead. It it was jarring for me. I won't lie. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I can't wait. It was very jarring for me because same here. The voices seemed off, and I know that that's biased because I'm used to the old voices and I had preset notions in my head. But a lot of them, knowing the real person behind the voices, kind of made it. The animation was already a little bit weirder, anyway. The animation's definitely di- different. It's not as as bright and colorful as it was. It's like more subdued or washed over, if you will. Yeah, almost and like then Korean animation kind of. Yeah, thing. and then the style of the drawing is different. You know yep. what I mean? Um, but the but, voices yeah. then made it even weirder. And don't get me wrong, I like the idea of David Tennant doing a voice. It seemed weird to have Uncle Scrooge sounding like sexy David Tennant. Um, Absolutely. It, I I appreciate the idea of giving Huey, Dewey, and Louie individual personalities instead of letting them be interchangeable. Although, in the original DuckTales, that's how they got away with some of their stuff, was you know dressing up and pretending to be the other ones. And because of their interchangeability, in this one, not so much. They all look a little different. They've all got different voices. Louie is apparently the evil triplet. Um, hearing Kate Micucci as Webby was a little bit weird because even though she's got kind of a cutesy little voice in a baby duck girl, it still sounds like a woman, like a grown woman who's, you know, talking through a baby duck girl. Yeah. I don't know. It, I'll still... Check it out. Um, I'm still kind of excited about it. They've already renewed it for a second season, and they haven't even aired the first episode. So obviously Disney is excited about it. But it was much more jarring than I expected. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I was taken back because I was just – I'm so used to the original and how it was and uh, and to see what they're going with now. It's just – yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get used to it. I mean, because I had big problems when they first changed Kermit the Frog's voice. Yeah, yeah, on the Muppets, you know, and it took a while to get used to that. So, but then you did eventually, and now you hear his I voice, did. and you're like, oh yeah, that's Kermit. Yep, absolutely. Um, so. but yeah, that was it for trailers. I had some news items, but they're all very minor. You know, I don't even really need to get into them right now. Uh, the only thing that I will say is that uh, over the week. I received a tweet. Well, we both received a tweet from uh, Martin, who runs this whole podcast network here, the boss man, I guess. And uh, he said that he was sorry, Superstar ML, but that the Quantum Geek was right. Split was really good. And then hey, I, you know what? I said I watched Split. I don't believe you that it's good. I'm going to give it a try. <laughs> Not like you guys are going to watch the Blair Witch ever. <laughs> well, been like a freaking month, and I just want someone else to watch it. Well, I also got a text from our field correspondent, Mr. Mully, who said, you were absolutely right about Split. It was effing awesome. So I'm getting the back in here. I'm not alone. I'm not insane. And that's fine. Like, you know, it's M. Night Shyamalan. He has a history of being, you know, shitty. 
<laughs> after Unbreakable. So, I mean, you can't doubt me for nope. thinking it's going to be bad. But you know, if you say good's good, it's good. I'll, I'll take your word for it. But uh, it does help with the other corroborating factors in it. So, But they're, they're not giving you the props. I'm sorry. They're not watching Blair Witch and telling me what they think of that. (laughs) Maybe this will spurn them to do that. Maybe, maybe they'll be like, all right, all right, let's, let's see if we can back him up. But, you know, remember that that's a double-edged sword because then if they're like, fine, we'll watch it and they watch it and they're like, you know what? You were wrong. This is garbage. What does that do? Well, okay. If you remember correctly, my thing is, I can't believe how much I like this. I don't know if it's the scenario in which I was watching it. Right. It was dark. I was watching it with cousin Johnny who was freaked out and that maybe made it better because of his reaction to it, you know? But, uh, so I, I'd asked if someone else could watch it and let me say, hey, am I misguided or is this movie actually pretty good? But apparently it's like a, nope, no one's going to do that. <laughs> so. Yeah, but we're all gonna watch Split and be like, "John's right, Mike. You're an idiot. Split's awesome." <laughs> they never used the word "idiot" or John. no, they they didn't. They didn't. Or Mike. <laughs> they, they used our Twitter are, handles. They used our Twitter <laughs> handles. That's right. <sighs> but I think that's all I got this week. Again. All right, so <laughs> yesterday, like once I got to work or I woke up and I saw your messages saying like, oh, like the second half didn't record when we switched to your phone, on and on and on. So uh, I was at work last night and uh, I was there for a long double. And then in the wee hours, I, I break my tablet out and I watch a few shows in between things. And um, I watched the first three episodes of APB. Oh, oh, excellent. What, what did you and think? I, I don't have any notes in front of me on it because okay. I honestly didn't take any notes about it because I didn't. It, it's not that noteworthy in the long run. <laughs> no, it's not. I will. I will say this immediately, uh, and I can't remember his name because I'm tired. But the uh, sorry, Tony Stark. He, uh, <laughs> good, good pull there. You know what I mean? Yep. Reeves or whatever they got that the billionaire's name is. He's basically you know it's. It's Tony Stark, essentially. I mean, yep. where he's the engineer. I mean, it's not the over-the-top engineering that he does like Stark and everything does, but still, he's a, a multi-billionaire engineering genius that can build anything, and he's very, I wouldn't say arrogant, but he's very confident in himself. He's very braggadocious. He's very, you know, he puts on a show. You know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so... I was very, very surprised at just how much I liked this show. That's how I felt as well. I really expected this show to suck. I did too. You know, like, and I almost feel like they thought it was going to suck because (laughs) the premise of the show and what is, is this billionaire's best friend is murdered in a convenience store robbery. He saves his life and he ends up getting shot and dies in his arms. And when he calls 911 and they put him on hold, it's unfortunate. Sometimes that happens. I've, I've had to do it myself. And then when the operator does come back on the line and he asks, what's the address of the emergency? And he, and, and the guy says, screams, just get here. Why aren't you here yet? The 911 dispatcher me is going, Fuck you, okay? That doesn't help anyone or anything to scream in the phone, why aren't you here? Why am I not here? Because you haven't told me your address yet. You haven't told me what's going on there. So that part really annoyed me. 
However, after that, I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, it starts off really rough like that. And you're like, oh, boy, you know, what are they going to do with this? But, yeah, it's it's over-the-top tech, but it's not, like, over-the-top, like, oh, my God, this is ridiculous. They're pulling stuff out of their ass. Right, right. You know, I could see a pistol-like taser like that. Yep. It doesn't yep. seem that far off. I mean, if you look at S.H.I.E.L.D., which, uh, yes, is comic book-based, but they've got icers, which are very similar, except yep. for those technically freeze the body. Um, his drone technology is very good, and it messes up. And a couple of them looks pretty CGI-ish. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. some huge yeah. CGI but times. Going back to what I was saying where I felt like the creators thought the show wasn't going to make it past the first episode is because the catalyst of him going to the mayor and the council and browbeating them into giving him the 13th district so he can take it over and run the police department the way he feels it needs to be run, um, which is a huge influx of technology and uh, weapons and body armor and new vehicles because you're right, Cadillac is sponsoring this show. <laughs> um, They're good-looking cars, though. you got to give them that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, but the whole catalyst of why he does this is because of his best friend that gets killed. And so, you know, he wants to solve his murder. And so immediately I'm thinking, well, that's going to spread out for the whole season. Right. Most likely. Oh, no, they solve his murder by the end of the first episode. <laughs> yep. Which I'm just like, did they not have faith this was going to get picked up or last? So they're just, you know, giving us the conclusion straight away like that? Yep. Um But, yeah, I mean, I found out, I found that I really enjoyed the writing of the show. I enjoyed a lot of the, the dialogue. I enjoyed the story. I enjoyed the pace of the show. I mean, it went by really fast. Um, but yeah, I'm actually quite surprised just how much I enjoyed that, uh, that those first three episodes. And again, it's not like I enjoyed these so much. It's my new favorite show, but nope. it's definitely something that each week I'm like, oh, cool. APB's on. I can watch that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm trying to think if there's any key things that stand out in my mind so we could talk about it. Um, I, I guess initially when he he shows them how the taser guns work by shooting his <laughs> Don't worry, I pay him a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was good. There's, some, there's a lot of good humor in there like that. And there's obviously some regulars. And Ernie Hudson's in it, you know. And, yep. Um, yeah, I just, I really found that I enjoyed the flick. I mean, enjoyed the, in the, enjoyed the show. So. Yeah, it's, it's gritty and it's got that washed out look to it, that washed out feel. Yep. And, uh, it's funny because in the first half of this episode, I'm pretty sure that I was saying, why haven't you watched APB? And now in the second half, you're like, so I went and watched APB. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I was like, oh, fine, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. Well, there you go. I did. <laughs> Five episodes are out. I watched the first three on Hulu. There's, I got two more episodes to finish up before we talk next week. Um, but yeah, I was just, I'm genuinely surprised how much. I enjoy the show, almost like a Lethal Weapon type of thing. I'm shocked how much I enjoyed that show. So. And that comment right there is going to get us crap because apparently Aaron Bell is not the only person who thinks that Lethal Weapon is crap, but Martin also has jumped on the bandwagon and told us we should not be watching crap like Lethal Weapon. We should go watch the 100. Well, guess yep. what, Martin? Lethal Weapon is one a week. The 100, yep. I'd have to watch like 70 episodes to catch up. Guess which one I'm going to do. 
I'm going to watch the, uh, the, yeah. the Lethal I, Weapon. I will end up watching the 100. I, I promise you that. But for right now, Lethal Weapon is good for what it is. Yeah, yeah, maybe someday, but you're right. I, I enjoy Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, so definitely if you're not watching um, APB, you, you should watch it. Yeah, give it a try. Give, yeah. it, give it a couple episodes, see what you think. And, um, yeah, I did watch one other new show last night, but I'll talk about that next week. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I so think, that does it for me. I think we finally once again have a podcast. Beautiful. Keep your comments, questions, and concerns coming. You can find us on the Twitter Universe Machine. I'm at Superstar Mel. I'm at the Quantum Geek, G33K. The show is at What Did You Watch? And the Facebook is also What Did You Watch This Week? And if anybody could throw Mike a bone and watch Blair Witch, that, that new one, and then let him know if he was right or wrong one way or the other, I think he'd appreciate it. The guy sounds a little down in the dumps. I, I think he'd really like it. I would appreciate that. It would make it, it would, it would make things nicer for me. I can't because, you know, Ghost Recon Wildlands comes out today and that's where my life is going to be spent oh, for the next I'll, several days. I'll talk, but I'll talk to you again on, on Monday. Then, yeah, so. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I think that's about it. Yeah. Thanks. Right. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you next week. <laughs>